to shining sea, across the fruited plain, the land of the free and the home of the brave is denied permission to talk about, hear about, read about real news. Denied by three corporations with ties to our political enemies. Where do you get your doses of the truth? TNN, the Truth News Network. And your anchor is Dan Newman. Just sitting here at the studio thinking, What's going on with Elon Musk? I mean, I've not seen a SpaceX shot in a few weeks. I don't hear any bad things being said by Elon Musk. Hmm. I wonder what's going on there. They got that lawsuit going on. Usually when it's so quiet and it comes to Elon Musk and Tesla and SpaceX, there's something really big brewing. And to be quite honest with you, I think the same holds true in our news cycle, what's the biggest thing that's happened in the news cycle of late? Of course, it happened a little over a week ago. The raid on Mar-a-Lago by the FBI. Hadn't heard much about that either, have you? Also means there's got to be a bombshell here or there. And don't be excited or surprised when you see or hear them drop and explode because that is imminent, folks. It's imminent. It's hard to believe that. We live in the United States of America, a very peaceful nation, a very, very self-contained nation. We have pretty much everything we need right here, or at least we've thought that for generations. And now we're finding out a little bit every month something new comes out and we realize, oh my, oh my gosh, We don't have that here in the United States. We have been relying on it from this country or that country. What are we going to do if we can't get it any longer? That all comes from a lack of planning at the top. Who plans for the United States of America? We have 535 very, very well-connected people that seat in Congress every day. We have thousands more of those unelected bureaucrats that are the so-called experts. And then, of course, we have the crew in the White House. They're supposed to not only be on top of what's on our plate right now, but they're supposed to be looking ahead. They're supposed to be looking around the globe and letting us know what's coming and preparing us for what's coming. We don't need another Pearl Harbor. We've had one, believe me. That's plenty. We need to plan. We need to prepare. And we need to stop this politicization and weaponization of anything and everything that our enemies say about us. We need to begin to rely on facts. Welcome to TNN Live this morning. Some of you, it may be your first time, your first trip with us. Let me tell you how we work here. We look at everything that we see and hear in the news world. We then begin to launch an investigation to try to find out the efficacy of what we're looking at, what we're being told, what we're reading, and to make sure it's truthful for the important matters that are numbered among these things. Sometimes we'll come to you and say, look, we're still investigating this. It looks credible. It may not be, but here it is, bam, we give it to you. And at the end, we'll say, 
When we find out, when we confirm it is true, we'll tell you that. But if we find out it's not, we'll also tell you that. You don't get that very much in today's world, and that's sad. There should be no need for Truth News Network. Shouldn't be any need for TNN Live. But there is a need for each of them. Just another news outlet that's out there trying to grab the facts and make sure you get those facts too. So what do we have in store for you today? We're in a day today. It's Tuesday. Normally Tuesdays seem to be a little bit slow in the news world unless Uncle Joe's doing something catastrophic, which you never know with him. I haven't heard about anything catastrophic. I don't even know if he's gotten up yet or if Jill just now is bringing him his sippy cup of warm milk. (laughs) I heard that he either came back or he's coming back from his well-deserved vacation in South Carolina that he's going to make a stop in D.C. to sign that law, that uh, inflation increasing inflation law. And then he's going to move on over to He's going home. Oh my gosh, he's going to Delaware. I can't believe the president is going to do that. He never does that anymore. He never works anymore. He, oh, well, everywhere he goes, he carries his work with him. His advisors are with him. He's working 24-7, we're told. Then why isn't he getting anything done? Just my two cents. So let's do a roundabout on some of the big events and where we stand with them today. Former President Trump, he's called for the immediate release of the completely redacted, unredacted, he said, affidavit that sanctioned that unprecedented FBA raid on his Mar-a-Lago home last Monday after the DOJ opposed request to unseal the document. And why would the DOJ want to cover any of that up? It makes you wonder, doesn't it? What are they trying to hide? There remain compelling reasons, including to protect the integrity of an ongoing law enforcement investigation that implicates national security that support keeping the affidavit sealed. That came from federal prosecutors in a filing in the U.S. District Court in Florida. In a statement posted Monday on Truth Social, Trump announced the request in the interest of transparency while furiously denouncing the horrible and shocking break-in of his home. He wrote this, There is no way to justify the unannounced raid of Mar-a-Lago, the home of the 45th president, who got more votes by far than any sitting president in the history of our country, by the way, by a very large number of gun-toting FBI agents and the Department of Justice, but in the interest of transparency, I call for the immediate release of the completely unredacted affidavit pertaining to this horrible and shocking break-in. Also, the judge in this case should recuse. I think it's important to note the Department of Justice returned three passports belonging to Trump after they were seized by agents. That's according to NBC News. So what about the release of this unredacted affidavit? 
Why don't we check in with somebody that knows the ins and outs of that? Former Acting Attorney General Matt Whitaker weighed in on it. Let us bring in former Acting Attorney General Matt Whitaker. Matt, you have been in charge of the DOJ. You have presumably filed affidavits in cases. Should the DOJ release the affidavit? Good morning. And typically in a case, uh, a, a typical case, you wouldn't release the affidavit until charges are filed or ultimately your investigation is complete. In this case, I think it's different. And, and obviously Merrick Garland took weeks to decide to execute this search warrant. And I think, you know, one of his considerations had to have been how it was going to play in, uh, you know, with the American people. And in this case, this affidavit needs to be released. I mean, this investigation obviously has run its course. They've obtained the documents. There are no further steps that I can imagine they're going to take based on the crimes that they allege to be investigating. So <clears throat> based on everything I know about this case, it is time to release this affidavit in a abundance of a desire for transparency and making sure that the American people understand what the government is doing in their name. The FBI says there has been an increase in violent threats against agents, and former President Trump spoke to Fox News Digital, said it's time to ease tensions after this Mar-a-Lago raid. He said, I will do whatever I can to help the country. People are so angry at what is taking place. The temperature has to be brought down in this country if it isn't terrible things are going to happen. Uh, later in the interview, though, he also said that FBI agents could have planted evidence in his house. So is this mixed messages coming from the former president? How do you feel about those statements? Well, Carly, I feel really that the president is absolutely right, that the temperature needs to be lowered. Obviously, threats against law enforcement of any kind are not acceptable. Political violence is never acceptable. And so saying that, you know, we need a country where the rule of law is applied evenly and consistently to everyone, no matter whether you're an ordinary citizen or whether you're Donald J. Trump, the former president of the United States. Mm. And so in this particular case, obviously, the Department of Justice and the FBI needs to take steps uh, themselves to lower the temperature. And that, a lot of that is transparency, answering these questions, talking about investigations like this, why, for the first time in our America's history, a search warrant was executed on a former president of the United States. And yeah. once I think that happens, uh, then I think we will have the temperature lowered. But until then, you know, the ball's really in DOJ's court. Meantime, former FBI agent Peter Strzok, remember him, uh, fired for his anti-Trump bias, is defending the agency. Take a listen. Absolutely, the American public should trust what the FBI is doing. It's not that the FBI is targeting any one side or the other. What you see is the FBI going out on a day-in, day-out basis, objectively investigating allegations of law. In case you've forgotten, let's pop up uh, this text exchange between Strzok and his lover, a fellow FBI agent named Lisa Page. This is from 2016. Page saying, quote, Trump's not ever going to become president, right? To which Strzok replied, quote, no, he won't. We'll stop it. So breathe easy, America. Peter Strzok has weighed in, told you nothing to see here. Your take, Matt. Well, I think this is a red herring. I mean, when he pops up and tries to assure us that there's no political influence at the FBI, I think we should be a little worried because, you know, he is the guy that uh, led an investigation uh, into the president of the United States uh, when there was no predication and there was no evidence that Donald Trump and his campaign had any relationship with Russia, Russian government. And in this case, uh, 
that we have this search warrant executed on, you know, Peter Strzok is really giving away the goods, which is there are some at the FBI that believe that Donald Trump is a criminal. And so they're going to pursue this case as much as they possibly can. And that it's that bias and that uh, desire to get Trump no matter what that is really colored, I think, a lot of the last six years at the FBI. And until they're willing to do their work above board without any political influence whatsoever, uh, you know, we're going to have troubles like we have right now in this case. Yeah, you just have to wonder how we got here with the FBI, an agency that should be absolutely non-biased. Now a lot of people see it as the, you know, defense arm, the acting arm of the Democratic Party. Uh, Matt Whitaker, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, sir. Do you ever just want to be a fly on the wall? Just maybe, just maybe, buzz around an office or two here and there. And just listen to the things that are said behind closed doors. The only things we ever get is, well, you just heard Matt Whitaker talking there. I mean, he is a acting um, FBI director, attorney general. He's been around a long time. You know he's seen a lot. He's heard a lot. But how much about this specific thing does a Matt Whitaker really know? Does he know more than what we just heard? If you're like me, I probably would say, yep, I'm sure he does, but he doesn't want to say it, and he has his reasons. I get all that. But wouldn't it be wonderful if we lived in a world of politics when everything was on the table all the time? Nothing hidden from the American people. Absolutely nothing at all. A lot of people would say, I, I, that's not safe. Everybody's going to know things that we don't need for them to know. We don't want them to know. They'll use these things against us. I understand that. But if everybody at the table, and I mean everybody, everybody was required to put everything on the table and keep everything on the table for fairness of understanding for everybody, there would be no reason for anybody to hide anything. Am I oversimplifying it? I don't know. You talk about hiding things for national security purposes. I get that. Locations of specific ICBM missiles. I get that too, but I can guarantee you this. China and Russia, they know where every one of our missiles are. They know where every one of our submarines holding missiles that are floating around underwater in the Pacific, in the Indian Ocean, in the Atlantic Ocean, wherever they are. They know all of those things just like we know where all of theirs are. So I've, I've got a problem with this super secrecy by the deep state, the people that control not only the United States of America, but they control everything about everything else and everybody else. And they know. So why shouldn't we know? If we knew those things, it would help us understand a lot of the decisions that are made. Like, why did Joe Biden pull us out of Afghanistan in such an embarrassing manner that cost this nation hundreds of billions of dollars we don't know how many lives, American lives, it's cost us because he left a bunch of Americans behind there that are still hiding in Afghanistan. We'll never know. 
how much that cost us. If we had been in on the conversations in the front of it, or we had the availability to look in afterwards, we would understand those things. i got to be honest with you. I don't trust our government. I don't trust anybody in our government. I listen to them all. I hear what they say, but in many cases, I think the people that talk to us, they're either complicit with what's going on, or they're just like us and don't know. One of the two. Neither is acceptable in this governing experience that we're living in right now. When our leaders think nothing of going to the bank and signing a note on behalf of you and me for trillions of dollars just to operate our government, there's something wrong with that concept. And if you don't think there is, there's something wrong with you. When that happens, and by the way, it happens every week or so, Joe Biden, he's actually excited to leave his vacation in South Carolina to come back to the White House to sign that massive spending bill into law, the $740 billion supposed to reduce uh, inflation, but what it's going to do, it's going to tax every American. And they promised, oh, nobody that makes 400000 or less will receive one dime of tax increase. And we've already disproved it. They do going into it. Oh, we're going to lie to the American people. We'll just convince them. Trust us. Trust us. And then they'll screw us one more time with the law that contains all kinds of things that we don't need, that we don't want, and certainly that we don't have the money to pay for. They don't care. They're writing checks on your account and my account, so it's no big deal. Their account's pretty full compared to mine. How about you? So there's more and more going on out there about what's happening in this thing that happened at Mar-a-Lago. And every day, every night, I keep digging. I'm wanting answers. I can't get to the bottom of what this is all about. Larry Kudlow yesterday, he's a pretty savvy guy. And he weighed in on the issue with another pretty savvy guy, Andy McCarthy. Listen to their explanations. We go back to the outrageous invasion of Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago, the raid on Mar-a-Lago, and now the question is, why is the Justice Department desperately trying to criminalize the Presidential Records Act? All right. Joining me to talk about it, Andy McCarthy, former assistant U.S. attorney, National Review contributing editor and Fox News contributor. Andy, welcome back. As always, your column this weekend on National Review Online was a blockbuster. I know we talked about it on radio, but we need to do more. First point is this investigation is far broader than just the mishandling of classified information. Can you tell us about that? Well, yeah, Larry. I think that, you know, people ask, what's the thing that changed from the time that President Trump and his representatives met with Justice Department people and FBI people in June? And I think the thing that's obviously changed is the Justice Department ratcheted up the January 6th investigation. Mm -hmm. So in late June, you have these two search warrants that are done on two of the lawyers who are connected to January 6th. Um, Then there's some grand jury subpoenas served on Vice President Pence's people, grand jury subpoenas served on 
uh, President Trump's White House counsel and deputy White House counsel, Pat Cipollone and, and Patrick Philbin. And then the day after they do the Mar-a-Lago raid, um, the, a, a member of Congress walking with his family in yeah. Pennsylvania mm. is given a search warrant and has to surrender his phone. Uh, so it seems to me that, you know, it's very clear that they've that Garland got a lot of criticism that he didn't seem to be moving aggressively enough on January 6th. Uh, they have stepped up their activity since then. And it's inconceivable to me that the guy they are mainly looking at on January 6th is President Trump. They search his place in the middle of all this activity. And we're supposed to believe that the search doesn't have anything to do with January 6th, I don't think that's, that's Scott possible. Perry. That Scott Perry hit really was a tip-off, you know? That's like the leading indicator, if you ask me. Yeah, right? and, and I, mean, I think that's it's... That's not a coincidence. That was the day after the Mar-a-Lago raid. It's, it's the day after, and, you know, I think the other thing that's very interesting here that hasn't gotten much play is they waited until Congress was not in session. You know, everybody goes oh, hither and yon. Right. Uh, and right, then they, right, hit, right. they hit Mar-a-Lago like huh. the Monday after that. Like, huh. Didn't they have their Votorama on the, yes. on the big bill last, last weekend, right? Yes. And then as soon as that was over, they, they did the Mar-a-Lago search. And then the next day they did uh, the Perry subpoena. I don't think they would have sent FBI agents up to Capitol Hill on Congress's turf. I think they wait till they're gone and then... You know, they can do what they want. So then you're writing here in NRO, the warrant, however, is not limited to evidence of classified information crimes. Not even close. Anything nearby was also swept up. By the way, I was told today, was reported today, uh, three of President Trump's passports were also taken uh, in this sweep. And then after that, you go on to say they are essentially expanding the Presidential Records Act, which is not a criminal statute. Uh, tell us more about that. These points you're making have not been made in general. I don't think people understand what's cooking here. So up until Watergate, presidential records were pretty much deemed to be the property of the president. And then we had the Watergate scandal, and a lot of that had to do with the disposition of Nixon's property, in particular the, the tapes. But in the aftermath of that, Congress said, we're going to change the presumption. So now tr presidential records are deemed to be the property of the United States, mm -hmm. not the property, the personal property of the president. But because they were breaking new ground, and back in the 70s, Larry, I don't think that it was like a knee-jerk reaction that we had to have a criminal statute for everything. It wasn't enough to have a statute. We, it has to be a criminal statute. So in the 70s, they didn't put, when they did the Presidential Records Act, they didn't put any criminal law provisions in it. And the importance of that is you only get a search warrant for crime. So to get a federal oh. search warrant, you have to have probable cause of a crime. Right. So I think what they're trying to do that, you know, they one of the statutes that they cited in the warrant was this Section 2071 of the Penal Code, which deals with concealing and, and removing government records. And what they're now trying to do is kind of hook that statute up to the Presidential Records Act. So essentially, you have the prosecutors rewriting the Presidential Records Act so it now has criminal law provisions in it that it didn't have when Congress enacted it. And you write in your National Review article, it amounts to the Justice Department fashioning a new crime for Donald Trump. Well, they've never done it before. The presidential, we've had, we've had disputes over presidential records before. Under what authority 
Can they do this, Andy McCarthy? Well, you know, if they convince a court that 2071, that statute applies, and they did convince this court, at least they say now, okay, we have probable cause. And what they really want, Larry, I don't think they're looking to make a, a Presidential Records Act case on President Trump. And I don't even think they're looking to make a classified information case. They want the records back. Mm. You know, for two years, the National Archives have been telling President Trump, we want the stuff back. That's our stuff, not your stuff. And I don't know why the or when the Justice Department got involved in that. It looks like the archives notified the Justice Department in around January of 2022. Mm -hmm. But they ratcheted this up into a criminal investigation. And I really don't think the Justice Department would have cared that much about it. We'll have to see what the classified information is. You know, if it's that if it's that serious, I suppose that you could say they cared about that. But I think what they really care about is January 6th. Well, I'm sure you're right. But the question here is, was there any probable cause for a criminal act? That's in the affidavit, in the application for the search warrant, which we may or may not ever see. Well, if they, you know, this is not the FISA situation. You know, the problem with FISA is it's just about foreign surveillance, right? So if you get a FISA warrant, you may never see it because it's all classified. If they're doing a criminal investigation, once they charge him, that stuff gets turned over in discovery. And if somebody misled a federal court oh. in getting it, we're going to find out, out about it. But I just come back to this. Um, West Virginia versus EPA right. says these government regulators cannot invent new laws. And I'm just going to assume the Justice Department is a regulator and they can't create new laws. So if the Presidential Records Act is not a criminal act, criminal about a criminal act, how the heck can they do this? Well, they're at the early stage of their investigation, so they've done a search warrant, right? If President Trump were to get charged with anything, he would be able to litigate the warrant, and mm -hmm. then he could raise the claim that you're saying, that mm -hmm. basically they didn't have the authority to do that. Now, mm -hmm. what I think the Justice Department would come back and say is, well, there are criminal statutes that apply to classified information. But what I would then say if I were President Trump's lawyers would be, well, but that's not what you put in the warrant. They, they did cite those statutes, but the warrant allows them to pick up, to take every scrap of paper that was generated in the four years of the Trump presidency. That's what it says. It's not narrowly targeted to classified information. It doesn't include passports. <laughs> passports, no. presidential it, passports classified, Andy uh, McCarthy? Not that I know of, uh, but I'll tell you what, if they took a lot of stuff that they shouldn't have taken, that's going to redound to their detriment when a court looks at this and says, did they carefully, narrowly execute this in a way that... Crazy. Uh, outrageous. Yeah. Not your column. Your column is brilliant. <laughs> this whole story is outrageous. Thank you, Larry. Many thanks to Andy McCarthy. All right. Bottom line is the Department of Justice doesn't really care they do what they want to do because they get away with it every time. All of the wrongdoing, the criminality that happened during the Mueller investigation, nobody paid a price. There were people who were investigated and their lives were destroyed. Nothing happened for their benefit. People's lives, their reputations, their businesses, all of it just blown away because of the Department of Justice wants to do it. That proves one thing to me over and over again. We, we give you example after example here. Our government is no longer just doing overreach. 
they're becoming the KGB of the USSR, the Soviet Union. They have autonomy to do anything and everything they want. They have no accountability that comes upon them. They don't answer to anybody. They're supposed to, but they don't. They thumb their noses at their oversight, which is the United States Congress, the Intelligence Committee, and they just thumb their noses at everybody in the intelligence community. They don't care about it. Nobody does anything to the Department of Justice, whatever they do. There used to be some accountability. There is none. I don't know of any accountability. We hear all these Inspector General reports. Every department of the government has at least one Inspector General who is solely responsible to make sure everybody within that department operates within the law. We hear all of these Inspector General reports that come out with all of this wrongdoing that's happening. What happens to those people? Not a darn thing. They lie on FISA applications that goes to a court, to a judge, and a judge renders warrants for this and warrants for that based upon the lies that they include in these FISA warrant applications? Whatever happened to those people? Not a darn thing. What this evolves into is a cycle when anything goes. If you're the government today, yeah, you don't have to worry about anything. Whatever you decide to do or whatever you decide not to do, it's okay. Just fly by the seat of your pants. It's going to be okay. Now, you heard some calls there for the release of the affidavit. The affidavit. Now, let me tell you what the difference between an affidavit in this case is and the actual warrant to go to Mar-a-Lago and examine or go through Trump's offices and homes looking for whatever they were looking for. An affidavit is what the person that goes to the judge that is going to request the judge give them a a warrant to go to Mar-a-Lago and do what they did. And there's supposed to be sufficient evidence in the affidavit to justify the judge for doing that, issuing that warrant. Well, the Justice Department's insistent that it be excused from public scrutiny regarding that investigation of Trump at Mar-a-Lago. It led to a pushback in court against releasing this affidavit that secured the search warrant of Mar-a-Lago. And one former federal prosecutor suggested that's only one source of the anger from the American public. South Florida Assistant U.S. Attorney Juan Antonio Gonzalez and Department of Justice Counterintelligence Chief Jay Bratt co-signed a filing in the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Florida on Monday countering the argument that various outlets had made in requests that the affidavit be unsealed. That affidavit contains the justification for the August 8th raid of Trump's residence. If disclosed, they contended, the affidavit would serve as a roadmap to the government's ongoing investigation, providing specific details about its direction and likely course in a manner that is highly likely to compromise future 
investigative steps. Now, let me, I'm going to read you that paragraph again, and I want you to put it in this context. What are they trying to hide? So listen to what they said is their justification for not releasing the contents of the affidavit that had the evidence. The affidavit had the evidence that justified the judge issuing the warrant. If disclosed, they contended, the affidavit would serve as a roadmap to the government's ongoing investigation, providing specific details about its direction and likely course in a manner that is highly likely to compromise future investigative steps. You want my two cents? Who cares if the affidavit is a roadmap to the government's ongoing investigation? We, the people, have the right to know what our employees are doing and why. So put what I just said in context to what these attorneys said. If disclosed, the affidavit would serve as a roadmap to the government's ongoing investigation. That's okay with me. It's fine with me. I don't trust what they're doing. I don't trust why why they're doing what they're doing. So give us a roadmap. Let us see what the heck they're doing and the justification for it because this Department of Justice... I don't believe anything they do. Look over their shoulders. Look what's in their wake behind them and whose lives have been destroyed needlessly, unjustly, and in many cases in contravention of laws. And nobody got in trouble for doing what they did. Only the people that were impacted by their actions are paying a price. None of the people that did the wrongdoing are. Sadly, That's the way I feel about this. And no American should have to feel this way. We should be able to trust the FBI. I don't. We should be able to trust the Department of Justice. I don't. We should be able to trust the President of the United States. I don't. I don't speak for every American. I don't speak for any. I speak for myself. But I do feel confident that what I just said to you, my opinion, is shared by millions of other Americans right now. That, my friends, is the saddest case about this whole thing. We don't trust our government. These are the people we're supposed to be able to send in D.C. that are going to do things for us, that are sacrificing, supposedly, to go there leaving their homes, their families, going up there for a little paltry salary to do the work for the people back in their states and their congressional districts. Used to be an honorable job. Hadn't been in a long time, certainly isn't right now. And I don't see it getting better anytime soon. Before we go to our first break, good news came out from Jim Jordan, representative from Ohio, he announced that 14 more whistleblowers have come forward in total before and after the FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago, and the public's figured it out. 
The whistleblowers have reportedly approached Republican investigators in Congress. That's according to Jim Jordan, House Judiciary Committee member, who told Fox News host Trey Gowdy the number of whistleblowers has gone up. While appearing with the former Director of National Intelligence, John Ratcliffe, Jordan asserted Americans are seeing through the left's lies, even though the media and big tech are pushing them for all they're worth. When they get caught in the act by Republicans, they attack conservatives and they try to blame them for what they're actually guilty of. Fourteen FBI agents have come to our office as whistleblowers and they're good people. That's Jim Jordan, Republican congressman from Ohio. There are lots of good people in the FBI. It's the top that's in the problem. Some of these good agents are coming to us telling us what is baloney, what's going on, the political nature. Now the Justice Department, God bless them for doing it, talking about the school board issue, about a whole lot of things. So that's a lot of whistleblowers. Fourteen? It's more than double from two months ago when Jordan told Fox News host Laura Ingram that six FBI officials had approached the committee. Two of them regarding a school board memo for connected to the January 6th investigation. In early June, Jordan sent a letter to FBI Director Chris Wray informing him that a bunch of former FBI officials had come forward with information that asserts the agency was purging conservative employees. In the Senate, Senator Chuck Grassley reported his team has received whistleblower disclosures as well, including information related to the federal investigation into Hunter Biden. It's become just a well-worn trail of agents who say, this has got to stop. And you know what? Thank goodness for them. At least they're recognizing it and trying to do their part. Jordan pointed out voters will usher in a Republican majority in Congress. Should the Republicans retake both the House and Senate, it would allow the GOP to carry out multiple investigations into the subversive tactics of Democrat. Let me play devil's advocate. What happens if the Republicans don't take control of the House of Representatives in the midterm elections. Have you thought about that? Have they thought about that? Well, Dan, there's no way. I mean, look at the look at the polls. I mean, it shows Republicans are dominating Democrats on a generic ballot, and it looks like the Republican Party could have a 20, 30, 40 seat majority in the U.S. House of Representatives. Yeah, right. And it looked like Donald Trump was going to beat Joe Biden by 10 to 15 percentage points the night of the election, too. Nothing is in the bag. Nothing at all. Not a darn thing. This is Washington, D.C. This is politics. This is Democrat National Committee hardcore leftist. Don't underestimate them. 
You know why? They certainly don't underestimate you. What up, y'all? It's DJ Envy, and I'm teaming up with Turtle Wax this summer to make sure your rides are clean, shiny, protected, and even disinfected. Because whether you're hitting the streets or heading out on the highway to the beach, Turtle Wax will make sure your vehicle is looking, smelling, and feeling amazing. Turtle Wax is the only brand that I trust with my fleet of supercars. And y'all know how many cars I keep in my garage, right? Check out TurtleWax.com to learn more and be sure to buy now at TurtleWax.com or anywhere you shop for car care. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. (laughs) Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Welcome to the Subway ad for the $3.99 6-inch sub of the day. How do you want it? Secret DJ set. At a retirement home? Weird. I like it. DJ sandwich in the house. What did he say? Italian BMT $3.99. I call the EMT? Turkey breast $3.99. How much? $3.99. Bingo! Limited time at participating shops. Prices and subs included may vary. Additional charge for extras plus tax. No additional discounts or coupons applied. Married to the truth, divorced from the lies, fighting for the future. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And again, Dan Newman. And by the way, if I'm missing something in this conversation today or any day, especially today, if you haven't figured it out yet, I'm kind of swimming around trying to get my grips on everything. And I think that is what is making people unhappier because it's hard to get actual facts out of many of these things that happen. I mean, we know there are atrocious things that have happened during this administration. Another one we're celebrating, and that's a hard word to use in association with what happened in Afghanistan a year ago. But we can at least look at what happened in the pullout from Afghanistan and the deaths of those American soldiers because Joe Biden had pulled out a Bogworm Air Base and left everything there, including some explosives that were used by that suicide bomber that killed those 12 American military members. You remember all of that? We know all those facts, so we know what happened. We know who's responsible. But these other things, when they just float around out there, let me just say this. If I'm missing something, If you've got anything to add, please feel free to call, toll-free, 
1-866-37-TRUTH, 1-866-378-7884. I certainly don't know everything. (laughs) I certainly don't know everything. I don't know a lot of things. And some of the things I don't know, they make me struggle to find answers. If you've got those answers, feel free to share them because we certainly don't know it all here at Truth News Network. Alan Dershowitz, you know who he is? Harvard Law Professor. He's been around a long time. And I got to be honest with you. He is probably one of, if not the most opinionated attorneys out there on the national level that is there. And sometimes I just don't like him. And I think the reason I don't like him is sometimes it's the same thing with Donald Trump. A lot of people don't like the way Donald Trump talks and messages. It's not that they don't like Donald Trump. It's just they don't like those things about him. I feel that way sometimes about Dershowitz. So he's the author of The Price of Principle, Why Integrity is Worth the Consequences. That's what Dershowitz wrote. So he said on Sunday on a talk show that former First Lady Hillary Clinton wasn't investigated, wasn't searched, wasn't a subject for criminal prosecution for any of her mishandling of a massive volume of classified information. You remember all that? She wasn't investigated at all. She didn't get locked up. She wasn't searched. She wasn't subject to any type of criminal prosecution, yet she broke multiple criminal laws. And so the shoe on the other foot argument cuts completely against her. She's after Donald Trump right now. There are some people in politics that have unmitigated gall. She's one. Dershowitz talked about the need for equal treatment under the law regardless of partisan or political affiliation. That's a great talking point, but nobody's going to listen to you, Dershowitz. The raid on Mar-a-Lago demonstrated unequal treatment, reflecting unequal treatment under the law. When you compare that with former FBI Director James Comey's public statement regarding that decision not to prosecute Hillary Clinton. You remember that? It was over that use of a private server through which she conducted a bunch of government communications when she was Secretary of State. He said, Dershowitz said, you need equal treatment. Garland talked about even-handed treatment, equity, equality. Hillary Clinton walks around with a hat now saying, but her emails. And that's a good argument. Why aren't they treated the same? If I had said that Hillary Clinton should be prosecuted and then said that Donald Trump shouldn't be, that would be very inconsistent, but I would never make such an argument. This FBI raid of Trump's residence, it was an attempt to get around the former president's constitutional rights. Such a search was without any justification. I don't care what the affidavit says. I agree with Dershowitz on this one. They were trying to circumvent Trump's 4th, 5th, 
and Sixth Amendment rights. Let's just assume it was the worst possible secrets and they really had to be preserved. They were being preserved because they were locked up in the basement. If the court didn't think that was good enough, you subpoena them. Then you log them in the court files with security and then you go through them page by page. No justification for a search warrant, even if they were nuclear secrets. Now, I'm going to say this. I agree with Dershowitz on this point, not because he's agreeing with me. But in the midst of all of this, that, that central theme, is the only thing that should matter in this Trump Mar-a-Lago raid. I don't understand why Trump's lawyers had him take the Fifth Amendment, he remarked. It seems utterly stupid to me. Why? If you take the Fifth, the first thing they do is they give you immunity. If they give you immunity, it's not transactional immunity. It doesn't stop them from prosecuting. It's just use immunity. And remember, this is mostly about public appearances. And whatever he says about taking the Fifth, you shouldn't do it unless it's absolutely necessary. Just one attorney, one attorney's opinion, and I understand he's a pretty sharp attorney, a really sharp attorney, but really sharp attorneys, I'm just reminding you of this, they don't necessarily know everything. They have a lot of things that they maintain are facts that we find out often are not really facts. They're opinions, and that's okay. But don't just automatically assume anybody on earth, when they open their mouth, what they're saying is factual. If you start every conversation with somebody and you keep that in the back of your mind, whatever they're saying, in most cases it's an opinion. Sometimes it's a fact. Sometimes it's opinion, sometimes it's a combination of both. Test them, check them out, especially if they're important topics that you need to get into. Have you heard about the latest racist action that is underway in public education? Way up in Minnesota, white teachers in one public school district will be the first to be ousted from their jobs in the event of a reduction in force, even if they have seniority. White teachers. It's a pretty blatant example of racial discrimination, wouldn't you think? And of course, they're doing it under equity, you know, equity. You got yours, I'll get mine before you get any more of yours, and I'm going to make sure mine is probably a little more than what you got. And this is in a contract, a brand new contract between the Minneapolis Federation of Teachers and Minneapolis Public Schools. Minneapolis Federation of Teachers, who's that? A freaking union. This was part of a deal reached to end a two-week teacher strike this spring. Non-white instructors will be protected 
if accessing becomes necessary, also being the first to be reinstated over their white colleagues. And I got to be honest with you, again, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's a violation of civil rights. According to the agreement, if accessing a teacher who is a member of a population underrepresented among licensed teachers in the site, the district shall access the next least senior teacher who is not a member of an underrepresented population. Now this agreement, it specifies a number of programs in which teachers can be exempted from district-wide layoff outside of seniority, order in order to remedy the effects of past discrimination. And it protects teachers who are members of populations underrepresented among licensed teachers in the school district. The new contract makes Minneapolis one of the only school districts in the nation with a seniority-disrupting language, district and union leaders say. They hope it helps foster a teaching staff that better mirrors the demographics of the pupils they work with, more than 60% of them students of color. Currently, about 16% of the district's tenured teachers, 27% of its probationary teachers, are people of color. Let me just say this. I brought this to you because it's it stuck out to me because it is as bad an act of racism as any there is. The reason they're penalizing these people is just one one thing. You're white. So let me ask you this. How many contracts are out there? I'll even say this. I'll go deeper and more egregious. In Texas, in Louisiana, in Mississippi, Georgia, Alabama, Southern, we know everybody in these states are racist, fundamentally racist. Would somebody send me a copy of a teacher contract, public school contract, that says when anybody has to go as a teacher, the first one that's going to go is a black teacher. Do you think that's out there? You and I both know it's not. On what authority, on what legal authority, would this teachers union in Minnesota have the right to issue such a contract? And even in negotiations last spring, and even though it was agreed to, you don't see any racism in there? You don't see any violation of constitutional rights? Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. Hi, this is Jack, founder of Jack in the Box. Is the caller there? Mr. Box, Douglas Goppers from Burger Week magazine. Oh, hey, Doug. Doug's a respected fast food critic. I recently dined on your sourdough Jack combo. And? Perfection. The cheese, the jumbo patty, the golden sourdough bread, the french fries. Bravo. Well, thank you. However, I found the dessert a bit dry. It doesn't come with dessert. The candy. The white, round candy with the happy face. Was it wearing a scarf? Yes, I believe it was. Rosy cheeks, fuzzy earmuffs? Yes, that's it. Douglas, you ate a holiday ball. (gasps) We're giving one away free to customers who buy a sourdough jack combo. But they're not for dessert. They're for antennas. Or a pencil. Right. 
Well, that's going to improve your score dramatically. Excellent. We may not be able to lower the cost of gas, but we can do something about how many miles you will drive per gallon. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store today and let us help you increase the performance of your car or truck. Simple things like replacing your air filter, changing worn-out spark plugs, and using fuel injector cleaner can add up to better fuel economy and big savings. There's an O'Reilly Auto Parts store close to you that has the name brands, low prices, and people who can help. Restore lost fuel economy and eliminate rough idle with Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts by two and get one free. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner quickly cleans clogged injectors to increase fuel efficiency and help your vehicle run smooth. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner, buy two, get one free at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply, see store for details. Tuesday at TNN Live. I want to thank you for joining us. I think we're getting um, a lot more people involved with us. We've got more and more people listening in live every day. And also don't forget the show immediately becomes a podcast at the end of this broadcast. And I don't know, there are 13 or 14 podcast hosting sites that are picking it up. All of the the popular ones like I, iTunes, um, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Google Podcast. Who else has got it? Let me look at the list here. And we haven't even updated the list for that matter, but uh, I should know these all by heart. But I don't, and it's because I'm 69 years old. Stitcher, Google Podcast, TuneIn Podcast, iHeart Podcast, Spotify Podcast, Apple Podcast, True Socials, even picking it up. You can get them anywhere, anytime. And if you miss one live, go grab one that way. Keep up. It's a great way to do it. I mean, it's a two-hour show, folks. And I don't expect anybody to listen from front to back live all the time. You're busy. But pretty much everything we do here, it's applicable to you. And it's important to you. Most, Most of it is. Not everything, but most of it is. So just grab them, download them, and keep them. And when you're in the car for a little bit, pull one up and take a listen. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for sharing with us. And thank you for those of you that are here with us live right now, and a bunch of people are. Thank you for doing that. So this is the week we're celebrating our first anniversary of being out of war in Afghanistan. I never knew why we went there and stayed there. I know why we went there, but I don't know why we stayed there. And obviously, there are a lot of people, other people other than me that don't know or understand why. And there are a lot of people that think we still should be there. But there's somebody that I think probably has a little better perspective on this than I, General Jack Keane. And he weighed in yesterday on his observations from the Afghanistan withdrawal. Joining me now, Fox News senior strategic analyst and chairman of the Institute for the Study of War, General Jack Keane. General, what do you make of this? 
Well, first of all, I think we are heading towards a deal. And I think what's remarkable about this, Dagan, is that there really is genuine bipartisan opposition to this deal, led no less by the chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee, uh, Senator uh, Menendez, who's a Democrat, obviously, and he was opposed to the first deal. So, I mean, the concerns that we have, I mean, certainly people are, are not trying to be unreasonable here in terms of working some kind of a nuclear deal, but we, we know what Iran's behavior is like as a result of the windfall of money they received in 2015 when they struck the deal then. They received over $100 billion. What did they do with it? They used their Houthi proxies to topple the regime in Yemen, a government that was friendly to the United States and our allied partners in the region. They provided tens of thousands of rockets and missiles to the two terrorist organizations in the Gaza Strip, the Hamas and the Palestinian Islamic Jihad. And they have fired those hundreds and thousands of missiles in the ensuing six years. And also, they took their the Hezbollah proxies, and they attempted to encroach on Israel's sovereignty by establishing small missile bases in Syria, so much so that in the last three years, the Israelis have had to conduct over 200 airstrikes against what the Iranians were doing in Syria to encroach on their, on their sovereignty. This is known behavior. And why would we think it would be any different this time when they receive actually more money right. as a result of sanction relief, and we know what they're going to do it do with it? This is, goes against the United States' national interest and the security of the American people as Iran goes about destabilizing the Middle East. It's Ge a reality. Well, General Keene, then why do it? Again, this is furthering terrorism. We're, th the United States and Europe are aiding and abetting terrorism across the Middle East. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and it's so striking, and they blew off any progress that the Trump administration had made because I think largely it was President Trump. But the facts are, when this administration came in, the maximum sanctions had significant impact on the Iranians. Unbeknownst to the American people, the Biden administration stopped enforcing all of that, which is a tragedy in of itself, and never came forward to tell the American people that. The Trump administration had taken down Qasem Soleimani in January 2020. That rocked the Iranian regime. They were back on their heels. Mm -hmm. And we had the Abraham Accords, where right. finally the Arabs were stitching together an alliance with Israel against who? against the Iranians. They walked away from, from all of that and went back to what was a failed deal in 2015. And they will impose restrictions on the Iranians as a result of this deal. But who trusts the Iranians to abide by those restrictions? Right. The evidence is in, the Israelis established it, that these guys do what? They cheat. And they're likely going to advance their capabilities away from the restrictions of the nuclear deal, because that is who they are. I want to, General, before we go, talk about the one-year uh, anniversary yesterday since Kabul fell and the Taliban secured its grip on Afghanistan. You say that Afghanistan pullout puts the United States back where it started in the region when the 20-year war first started in the early 2000s and 2001. General Keene, tell us more about that. And just 97% of Afghans are at risk of falling below the poverty line. And that's according to a United Nations report. 
Yeah, a year later, I still have trouble fathoming, you know, what the United States really did. It started with President Biden's unconditional withdrawal with a date certain, which actually turned into an unconditional surrender. And yes, I mean, we find ourselves today, the Taliban are in charge, and they're obviously protecting the Al-Qaeda, much as they were doing in 2001. We saw that in cleared evidence uh, when we killed Zawahiri, who was living in a Taliban house right. in the capital city in a Taliban neighborhood. Certainly, the Al-Qaeda organization is being protected once again you know, by the Taliban. And that's what I meant 20 years later. Now, now look, we've kept a lid on the Al-Qaeda because of our presence in, uh, in Afghanistan all these years and credit our soldiers and, and our intelligence service and the contractors who supported them because there was never any uh, subsequent attack on the United States. So the mission, that mission was accomplished. But the tragedy that, that we're dealing with now, you the economic devastation of the <laughs> Afghan people, walking away from their, their individual rights, leaving 80,000 people there that we wanted to get out who are Afghan partners and hundreds of American citizens. I mean, that is a stain on our national honor to have done something like that. That's not the behavior of the United mm -hmm. States. And that is why this administration's policy has been an accelerant for Russia, Ukraine, China, Taiwan, Iran, the Middle East. They saw what was happening here. They saw incredible weakness, which I think probably surprised them by the United States right. in, in doing what we did. It, it's really quite shameful, and it's hurting the security of the United States and the American people. And, General, last year, Americans saw Biden's profound incompetence and how he will blithely lie about anything and everything, and his approval has um, has been underwater since then. So net disapproval since August 20th of last year, and it's never recovered. General Jack Keane, thank you so much for being here always, sir. The American people do not and cannot trust this administration to do the right things and then, of course, to tell us the truth. I mean, it's just a boilerplate of just evil politicization, weaponization of anything and everything that they can use, the government can use against their political opponents. We can't live in a society like this. We can't be successful with that hanging over our heads all the time. My goodness, we just need to be able to trust what we're told. We need to be able to trust that people that are elected when they're campaigning, make promises to us. When they're elected, they fulfill those promises. That's only happened one time that I can remember. And it wasn't 100%. Donald Trump couldn't get 100% of the things he promised he would give us because Congress stopped him in some cases. But on every issue that Donald Trump could affect something to happen regarding a promise he made when he campaigned, he did every one of those things. First president in my lifetime that did that. This president, every day when I think he can't do anything more egregious, more nasty, more unethical, sometimes illegal, he just proves me wrong. Now, the one that I just cannot get over is this 87,000 new employees that we're in the process of hiring at the Internal Revenue. 
It'll be a law here in a little bit because he's going to sign it into law. Both the House and the Senate approved it. And it comes around about the same time as the outrageous FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago. The Biden administration, they've converted the FBI and the Justice Department into simply being functionaries of the Democrat Party's character assassination campaign. And 87,000, 87,000 people being hired at the IRS, they call them auditors, but what they really are is they're going to go almost literally door to door and they're going after middle class and below people that are easy marks for the IRS to get more tax dollars. Senator Ben Cardin, who's a Democrat from Maryland, He dismissed any concerns that we may have taxpayer abuses. And he said this to justify his feelings. If you're not cheating on your taxes, you have nothing to worry about. That's the language of tyrants. Have you ever been through a dispute with the IRS? Have you ever been through it yourself? If you have, raise your hand. My hand's up really, really high. I don't know how many times we've been audited. It's not fun. And it costs a lot of money. If you have to get attorneys in the middle of it, which I did on one issue, it costs a lot of money. And let me tell you this about the IRS. If they audit you, they come to audit you, you can bet they're going to find at least one thing wrong. They do every time. They have to. They're told to. And it may just be $5 off one way or the other. We shouldn't even especially forget about the outrageous weaponization of the tax collection agency during Barack Obama's administration. You remember that? Lois Lohner, she was an appointee during the Obama administration. She targeted... The Tea Party, you know, those conservatives that came to life back then and some other taxpayer groups that had a conservative orientation. Was that an accident? (laughs) Of course it wasn't. By the way, the Obama team never even apologized for that. Lois Lerner ducked out on testifying before Congress. She never went to jail, but she broke the law. Now the folks at the OpenTheBooks.com report the IRS is armed with real weapons this time. Guns, ammunition, and military equipment. Tell me one reason why they would need that or want that if they were not coming after us. The IRS with its 2,159 special agents They spent $21.3 million on guns, ammo, and military-style equipment between the years of 2006 and 2019. They stockpiled 4,500 guns and 5 million rounds of ammunition. Question that needs to be answered, how many of these new 87,000 employees are going to carry those guns and ammo around with them. And why does a tax collection agency need a single gun anyway? I mean, this story just gets more sordid as we dig deeper. 
The IRS Employee Union, they donate 99% of its money to Democrats. This scam to give the IRS tens of billions of dollars will pipeline millions into the coffers of Democrat candidates. Does anybody believe that an agency that gives almost every dollar from its political action committee to one party is an unbiased referee of our tax system? I hope nobody believes this is going to get more money from Bill Gates or Warren Buffett or Mark Zuckerberg. They don't pay taxes. None of them pay taxes. What do you mean, Dan? Well, they all own businesses. Businesses that interact, do business with people, with corporations. And guess what? When they get popped by the IRS to pay more in taxes, what do they do? They just pass what they pay the IRS. They go get it from people that do business with them in their companies. The everyday working people are the ones, anytime they say they're going after the wealthy, corporations don't pay taxes. They pay money to the IRS and then turn around and they raise the prices on whatever they're selling to cover those costs and usually more. Republicans on this crazy bill offered an amendment that would have restricted new audits to those making more than $400,000. Every Democrat said no way. This is because those that they will pluck are the defenseless small business owners and people who make about somewhere between $75,000 and $250,000 of income. Once upon a time, liberals cared about government abuses of citizen civil rights. Once upon a time, there was an American Civil Liberties Union that would have been marching in the streets against more intense government scrutiny of every financial transaction people make. Now, they're not saying a word. Because the modern ACLU and other such groups are completely captured by big government socialists. If you have a conservative voice in this country, or you have an affiliation with the Republican Party, or donate to Republican candidates, they're coming after you, maybe soon. Yesterday, (laughs) I think I told you while we were live on the air, we were looking during a break at IP addresses of the computers from a lot of people. In fact, we can look at every one of them if we want to take the time during the live show and see where they're coming from. Not who they are, but where they're coming from. We had two computers that showed up listening in from Langley. Langley is the home of the CIA. Not saying it was the CIA, but folks, it doesn't matter. If you're conservative, They know you're conservative. They're watching you. And if you do anything or say anything out of line, they're going to know about it. What's perhaps worst of all about this vault of money being turned over to 150,000 IRS agents is that Democrats have voted down more money for police to stop rampant crime. They voted down more Border Patrol agents to help keep out drug runners and criminals and coyotes. They refused to provide the funding for the Army 
so that our armed forces can recruit new soldiers and personnel we need for our national security. They're going after us instead of protecting us. We could fund all of these things with a fraction of the money. Top Democrats like Joe Biden, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, House Speaker Pelosi want to spend on tax agents. Talk about screwed up priorities. We could fund all these things. All these things. And probably more if they would just let it be used for the American people. These are the most warped funding priorities I've ever seen. The IRS may soon be knocking on your door too. And yes, they are here from the government, but no, they are not here representing or here to help you. That's not what they're about. So what's up next? Oh my gosh, you're not going to believe this. The CDC. New news. Not good news. New news coming out of the CDC and on the medical front. We've got that next. And now back to John with the weather. Yes, Andy. Tonight, a big storm. Storm this! Get the soccer offer from Pizza Hut and Pepsi. With every two medium pants Super Supreme, you get a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. Yes, a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free! Don't miss the Pizza Hut and Pepsi soccer offer. With every two medium pants Super Supreme, you get a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. What about the weather, Andy? Don't resist and call 19,000 now. Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select. Dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. Grab an ice-cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients, zero sugar, and seven essential vitamins, with no high-fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a... Swing! <sighs> Bob? Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. The view from the top is reserved for the bold. And the bold tell the truth. Truthnewsnet.org. This just in, a judge has scheduled the hearing on potentially unsealing the Mar-a-Lago search records. 
There's a hearing schedule. We'll, we'll keep our eyes on it. We'll let you know if anything comes from it. Um, there's some information out there before we get to the CDC thing that I think we need to make sure we concentrate on this for just a minute. All of the screams from Hollywood, the left coast, the right coast, the very wealthy, the very privileged about reduction of our use on fossil fuels because we're polluting the world. Let's talk just for a minute about one person, Leonardo DiCaprio. I like his acting. I like what he does. He's a really good actor. But he traveled around the world on gas-guzzling private jets. And he, by the way, gets on really long yacht trips that burn a bunch of fuel, too, while his foundation has quietly funded climate change lawsuits levied against two big oil companies. He's embarked on multiple fossil fuel-powered trips over the last several years. At the same time, he's pushing for extreme measures to combat climate change. The Leonardo DiCaprio Foundation, which he founded in the late 90s, gave grants to a fund that in turn backed a private law firm's efforts to hold oil companies liable for climate change. I'm not surprised, said Steve Malloy, a former energy official on the Trump administration's transition team. There's this whole left-wing dark money network. That money comes from someplace, and these guys, high-profile wealthy lefties, are funding it. There's not a single climate activist who is not a complete hypocrite about all this. Everything they do, total hypocrisy. I would say they have no self-awareness, but they just don't care. All this is really meant to control us, not for them to control themselves. Now, let me tell you a little bit about DiCaprio's travels. It included six round trips on private jets over the course of just six weeks in one month and a half. Sony Picture Studios arranged for DiCaprio to take a private jet from California to New York during the period between April and May of 2014. The UN appointed DiCaprio as a messenger of peace for his work on climate change in 2014. In 2016, DiCaprio flew 8,000 miles on private jets from Europe to New York City to accept an award for his environmental activism. He then went back to Europe on the same jet for a charity event. The same year, he took a private jet to the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. At that summit, the World Economic Forum gave DiCaprio its Crystal Award for his lead in taking and tackling the climate crisis. And then there's private yachts. 2014, he took a yacht owned by United Arab Emirates Deputy Prime Minister Sheikh Mansour bin Zayed El Nayan to the World Cup in Brazil. In July, DiCaprio was pictured in St. Tropez on a yacht, jet skiing with other celebrities. So after he criticized Brazil over its reported deforestation plans, the nation's president, Jair Bolsonaro, slammed the actor 
pointing to his usage of private yachts. You again, Leo? Bolsonaro tweeted on July 27th. This way, you will become my best electoral cable, as we say in Brazil. I could tell you again to give up your yacht before lecturing the world, but I know progressives. You want to change the entire world, but never yourselves. So I'll let you off the hook. DiCaprio doesn't care. He's continued to use his platform and foundation in a push for clean energy transition. They hate fossil fuels, but they use it more than any of the rest of us. And of course, they feel this way. I've got plenty of money. I can just go get some more. We can't say that. So what they're doing is preaching a hypocritical message to us Why is it hypocritical? Because they're doing what they're accusing us of doing and doing it in greater ways. And because they've got money, because they've got reputation, because they're better than us, they can do anything and everything they want to do. And nobody has a right to question them. Why? Because they're famous, they're connected, and they know the important people. Lots of important people in big, big, high places regarding controlling our health care, right? The CDC, a new guidance comes out. They have further emphasized the widely known discrimination that's been at place since the vaccine rollout began. But doctors Jay Bhattacharya and Nicole Sapphire say this subtle admission is a long way from course correction to restoring the faith of the public. So what admission? Doctors, after new CDC guidelines, are calling for immediate halt to discriminatory policies against the unvaccinated. Aha! Bhattacharya, a Stanford University professor of medicine, and co-host Carly Shimkus of Fox and Friends got together to discuss what the change in guidance means to regular Americans. The new direction from the CDC, it recognizes natural immunity now. It eliminates testing and quarantine requirements now and does away with absurd social distancing recommendations now. Now put that in the context of what the heck you've been living through to the last three years. You remember all the fear-mongering, the hatred, the, the, the anger, and everything in that area that came from leaders at the CDC? You remember about that? They stood up on platforms across the world and said, we know what's best for you. Here's what's best for you. You listen to it. If you don't listen to it, you're going to die. But before you die... We're going to take away all your rights, your personal freedoms, and make you live in a world in which you do nothing but fear. You fear a virus, and you fear us. Rather than focusing on suppressing the spread of the disease, which hadn't worked, and has been tremendously harmful, Bautichero said, it's now come to reality and saying, well, Let's use the tools we have and protect the vulnerable. 
So when asked about dropping a distinction between the vaxxed and the unvaxxed, Dr. Bhattacharya noted, in effect, the CDC encouraged discrimination against unvaccinated people and companies just responded. Can you believe this is beginning to come out now? Well, maybe we weren't right. Shh. We're just whispering it because we want to make sure when we're confronted on television that we'll be able to say, oh, we've already talked about that. We released that information. That's old news. You want some more old news? You know the name Albert Bourla? Albert Bourla, B-O-U-R-L-A. You should know him. He's the CEO of Pfizer Corporation. And guess what happened to Albert? He just tested positive for COVID-19. That, that, that shouldn't be a big deal. Everybody. I don't know anybody that hasn't had COVID-19. Albert's had it four times now. Four times. Four. Count it. One, two, three, four. What's so big about that? He is the CEO of Pfizer. His company put a vaccine together. They put out in the marketplace. They forced it on many people. People trying to keep their jab, their jobs and said all along, if you get the jab, you won't get sick. If you don't get the jab, you're going to get sick. Well, Albert's had the jab and a bunch of boosters, and he tests positive for COVID-19 for the fourth time. What does that tell you? I mean, put it all together. Be honest. Just think through. Think through everything you've been through. Look over your shoulder. What were we told? What were you told? What did you do listening to the quote-unquote experts? You did exactly what they said. When they told you to social distance, you social distance. When they told you to stay home from work, you stayed home from work. When they told you to get vaccinated, you got vaccinated. When they told you to get boosted, you got boosted. And you still got COVID. And you got second cases. And now many of you are suffering through long COVID. And the vaccines haven't worked. One group, this is really some good stuff that's happening. Healthcare workers that were denied religious exemptions. Remember those people? They were they were working, most of the people were working in healthcare organizations around the world, hospitals mostly. Hospitals required, I don't know of a single hospital that did not require its workers to be vaccinated. I never quite understood that. You remember when this all began, who were the people that they just gave their lives up for the health care and the health and welfare of American people? Who were they? Healthcare workers in hospitals. Those people confronted COVID-19 24-7. Every time they were at work, they were in the face of getting COVID-19. Many of them got COVID-19. What did that do? It's now being acknowledged what was being said by the real experts during that time. It improved their immune systems 
and it gave them natural antibodies against future COVID-19 infections. Not good enough. Didn't roll in to the narrative that this administration and the healthcare bureaucratic system had put in place. We've got to make everybody bow to the God of medicine. Healthcare workers at North Shore University Health System in Illinois, they're getting $10.3 million in a first-of-its-kind class action settlement over that hospital's COVID vaccine mandate. Now, you need to hear the details. Many of you need to hear the details because it could apply to you. The lawsuit was brought by 13 employees there because the hospital unlawfully discriminated against and denied religious exemptions from COVID shot mandates. Liberty Council represented them, says it works to advance religious freedom, the sanctity of human life and the family through strategic litigation. Illinois' Northern District Court reached a settlement agreement on my birthday, July 29th, meaning North Shore will compensate roughly 500 of their employees, quote, who were victims of religious discrimination and who were punished for their religious beliefs against taking an injection associated with aborted fetal cells. This settlement should also serve as a strong warning to employers across the nation that they cannot refuse to accommodate those with sincere religious objections to forced vaccination mandates. The court, Northern Illinois, the federal district court, must approve the settlement. North Shore employees who were denied religious exemptions will have the opportunity to comment, to object, request to opt out, or submit a claim. Liberty Council estimates the employees who were fired or resigned because of their religious refusal to get a vaccination are going to get about twenty-five grand each. Employees who say they were forced to get vaccinated against their religious beliefs to keep from being fired will receive roughly $3,000 each. The 13 lead plaintiffs are expected to get an additional twenty grand each for leading the class action lawsuit against North Shore. And Liberty Council is going to get 20% of the settlement sum. And by the way, the hospital is going to have to change its no religious accommodations policy for all employees. You know, we shouldn't be surprised at this. We should be surprised that it ever became an issue. Why? We have a Bill of Rights that contains 10 amendments that our forefathers, you know, those evil people that they're tearing down their statues now, Our forefathers created this to make sure that this hospital system, North Shore University Health System, and others just like it, couldn't violate the rights of Americans. And there are tens of thousands of Americans like-minded as the workers are in North Shore University Health System that didn't believe religiously they needed and shouldn't have to get vaccinated as a condition of employment. It's a constitutional right. Nobody can fiddle with your constitutional rights 
and get away with it. This class-wide settlement providing compensation, along with the opportunity to go back to work, it's the first of its kind in the nation involving COVID shot mandates. The settlement should be a wake-up call to every employer that did not accommodate or exempt employees who opposed the COVID shots for religious reasons. Let this case be a warning to employers that violated Title VII. It is especially significant and gratifying that this first class-wide COVID settlement protects healthcare workers. Healthcare workers are heroes who daily give their lives to protect and treat their patients. They are needed now more than ever. You knew it was going to come full circle. It's just so sad that it had to come this way. And even coming this way, think about it. People lost their jobs. These people, on the most part, that were working in healthcare, they're registered nurse, they're specialists, they're doctors, they're physician assistants. These are people that spent fortunes on their education that had done this very thoughtfully, many of them working for a long, long time, getting very specialized degrees, and they were put on the street because of not getting recognized that their religious rejections of vaccine mandates violated their constitutional rights, but it didn't matter. They lost their jobs. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. $25,000 if you lose a career? That doesn't go very far, does it? Our federal government did that to these people. No, Dan, it was the CDC, you know, Fauci's guys. Well, Fauci's not an employee of the CDC. National Institutes of Health is his boss, a different bureaucratic medical entity of the federal government. But these people don't want to take responsibility for anything, do they? Have you wondered what all of this economical fallout has done to the housing business in America? It's a big deal. Housing is a really big deal. And it impacts a lot of people, not just those who live in houses, because we all do that. but it impacts all of the people that are directly involved in home building. Who's that? Think about all the vendors, all of the Home Depots and Lowe's and people that sell building supplies. Think about the workers at those businesses. Think about the people that are out there cleaning up job sites, bricklayers, pouring concrete, carpenters, roofers, people putting in landscape after the house is completed but not ready to move into. Think about all of those people and think about what this economy is doing to them. Did these people do anything wrong? 
No, they're just being Americans. They're just chasing the dream, finding ways to make money better themselves, better their families, dodging the bills that come due by working hard and trying to work harder while Bidenflation eats up everything that they bring home. Now, there's never enough. News from the home building industry. That's coming up next at TNN Live. A politician's worst nightmare? The truth. And you're getting it here with Dan Newman on TNN, the Truth News Network. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Shop at H&M. Be stylish. Be trendy. With women's clothes and accessories at the best quality and the best prices since 1947. Come to H&M and shop for women's clothing and accessories inspired by the latest fashion trends. Here at H&M, the master of cheap fashion, clothes cost the average price of $21.40. Wow, that's so cheap and affordable. I know, right? H&M offers fashion and quality clothing at an affordable price. So, what are you waiting for? Come shop at H&M today! Hashtag Hot and Modern This is the truth your mama warned you about. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org And Dan Newman. There's no way that any worker, any business of any kind is exempt from being impacted in negative ways by this inflation and this rampant spending that continues by a president spending money that we do not have and he's giving it away rather than investing it, which they tell us, oh, we're investing in green energy. You know, the electric cars, the solar panels, we're transitioning away from fossil fuels while countries all around the world They're going back to fossil fuels because it doesn't work trying to just flip a switch and go to green energy. Confidence among home builders across the nation have made markets plunge more than expected in August to the lowest level since the beginning of the pandemic as high inflation, rising borrowing costs now have forced potential buyers to pull back and say, let's just wait a little bit. The National Association of Home Builders and the Wells Fargo Housing Market Index combined, they combined measured the pulse of the single-family housing market. It fell to the eighth consecutive month, marking the worst stretch for the housing market since the 2008 financial crisis. Now, who was on top of that 2008 financial crisis in the housing market. It was Joe Biden and President Obama. The index has fallen considerably from just a year ago. 
It peaked at a 35-year high in November of 2020, buoyed by record low interest rates at the same time that American home buyers, flush with cash and eager for more space during the pandemic, started flocking to the suburbs. Tighter monetary policy from the Federal Reserve and persistently elevated construction costs have brought on what is being called a housing recession. August reading was below the median expectations among economists. One of the index's components that measures current sales of those single-family homes, it collapsed. The gauge of single-family sales expectations over the next six months also collapsed, while the prospective buying traffic index slipped five points deeply in negative territory. The decline was broad-based across the nation, builder confidence in the West falling by 11 points, followed by a nine-point decline in the Northeast, seven-point in the South, confidence in the Midwest dropped by three points. Nothing, folks, nothing to do with your economy, nothing to do with your political perspective, nothing exists in a vacuum. Everything is about everything. You get that? Everything is about everything. And it's all interrelated. You can't change one little thing without it impacting two or three or four or five or six or seven others. It's all tied together. It's called life. J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon. Why can't we get it through our thick skulls It's not any climate for America to boost more oil and gas. Now, Jamie Dimon, he's pretty controversial. He's no stranger to the woke agenda. But when it comes to climate activists attempting to force progress, he had a choice message for them to get through their thick skulls. Since day one of his administration, President Biden has waged a war on oil and gas by shutting down pipelines, canceling leases, adding burdensome regulations. Those decisions crippled American energy independence in the name of a greener future. It sounds so good. We're going all green. But on a call with wealthy clients a couple of days ago, Jamie Dimon contended those choices that have devastated our economy were also regressive when it comes to lowering carbon emissions. That's according to Business Insider. Why can't we get it through our thick skulls that if you want to solve climate change, it's not against climate change for America to boost more oil and gas. We should focus on climate. The problem with that is because of high oil and gas prices, the world is turning back on their coal plants. They're turning back on their coal plants. You got it? Coal is dirtier. It's not nearly as efficient as oil and gas. Environmental groups had ranked J.P. Morgan Chase, Jamie Dimon's company, as the worst offender when it comes to financing fossil fuels since the Paris Accords. With $317 billion pumped into the industry, 
between 2016 and 2020. The company has embraced the globalist control metrics of environmental, social, and governance scores and made a sustainability pledge stating, we are applying our capital, our data, our expertise, and other resources to help address climate change and promote long-term innovative solutions for a more sustainable future. That commitment, by the way, includes the goal of net zero emissions by 2050. There is no such thing as net zero energy emissions, period. By working directly with clients to develop and finance their transition strategies and goals, something that Joe Biden, his White House, didn't do. They didn't get with experts and come up with any transition plan. Their transition plan was, hey, I'm going to stop fossil fuels today. We'll click the switch and tomorrow we'll be all electric. That's Joe Biden. Diamond has been openly critical of Biden's incomprehensible and uncoordinated policies, which he argued have no forethought, no identification of desired outcomes. We have fallen into the rut of false narratives, Diamond wrote, which distracts us from facing reality. We don't define our problems right. If you have the wrong diagnosis of a problem, you'll certainly have the wrong solution. Energy costs are high, not because of price gouging, but because of the dramatic decline in investments in energy, which results in reduced supply when demand goes up. Regulation has dramatically impeded our ability to build good infrastructure in a timely manner. Our policies, our politics are dysfunctional, which has prevented some of our best, brightest, and most competent to want to work in government. In other words, picking winners and losers, a lesson Biden should have learned as VP when Barack Obama's administration pumped half a billion dollars into Solyndra. In this case, the push for the not-ready-for-prime-time players of wind and solar, which are far from capable to support our energy grids, has driven the world back to coal to attempt to meet demand without going broke, and according to a report from Reuters, results in double the carbon emissions produced from burning natural gas, ultimately accomplishing neither an economic nor environmental win. We were on the cusp of having it all in the bag, getting our energy sources in a line with our realistic desires to control pollution, carbon emissions. What was on the table that was working at the time and getting better? Natural gas. Natural gas. And Joe Biden flipped the switch. I don't know that we can ever go back there. The Democrats' $369 billion climate spending bill. What does that bill include? Well, how about some tax breaks for the mining industry? An industry the climate activists routinely oppose 
to mine critical minerals to accelerate the Biden administration's renewable energy transition. Now follow this. The Inflation Reduction Act will allow U.S. mining companies to write off 10% of their operating costs if they produce any amount of critical minerals. What are those critical minerals? Well, there are materials critical to national security and the economy that are vulnerable to foreign supply disruptions. The section creates a new advanced manufacturing production tax credit, which will apply to each eligible component manufactured here in the U.S., and in the case of critical minerals, the tax credit would be equal to 10% of the company's cost associated with the production of those critical minerals. So if you want to get eligible for the tax break, mining companies got to produce at least one of a slew of minerals, including lithium, cobalt, and nickel, which are often used to make electric car batteries and batteries used to store solar and wind energy. Companies that extract these critical minerals on federal lands will pay no royalties, unlike coal mining or oil drilling. Democrats also included half a billion in funding for the Defense Production Act in the bill, which will assist the Biden administration in subsidizing more mineral projects. Biden is he's working hard to expand the use of renewable, renewable energy technologies that require vast amounts critical of minerals, according to a June press release, growing international tensions as well as rising commodity prices, supply chain bottlenecks, or encouraging the U.S. to ramp up its domestic acquisition of those critical minerals. How about critical minerals like natural gas and liquid natural gas, President Biden? Those work, and you don't have to lie about them or try to manipulate them. They work. On another subject, have you heard the name Alan Weisselberg? Alan Weisselberg. He is the chief financial officer, the CFO, of the Trump Organization. Donald Trump's business empire. And Alan Weisselberg is expected to reach a plea deal with prosecutors in a tax fraud case that does not require him to testify against Donald Trump. Listen to this. Weisselberg and the Trump folks pled guilty, not guilty, excuse me, not guilty last year when they were indicted by the Manhattan DA in a joint local and state investigation. It accused them of not reporting tax liabilities for employee fringe benefits for several years. Now, this is a relatively minor allegation. They were anticlimactic, given the public determination of elected Democrat prosecutors to pursue Trump for whatever crime they could find. But Trump himself wasn't accused of breaking the law. But prosecutors hoped to turn Weisselberg against Trump by pressuring him to testify against Donald Trump in other investigations. That has failed. Weisselberg refusing to cooperate 
prosecutors reportedly considering a plea deal that could see the executive sentenced to as little as five months in jail and eligible for early release after about 100 days. So here's how the New York Times reported it. Quote, a senior executive at Donald Trump's family business who was charged with participating in a years-long tax scheme is nearing a deal with Manhattan prosecutors but will not cooperate with a broader investigation into Mr. Trump, according to three people with knowledge of the matter. While Mr. Weisselberg, age 75, is facing financial penalties as well as up to 15 years in jail if convicted by a jury, a plea deal would avoid a high-profile trial and spare him a lengthy sentence. Two people with knowledge of the matter said that Mr. Weisselberg was expected to receive a five-month jail term. With time credited for good behavior, he's likely to serve about 100 days. Prosecutors have long hoped that they could persuade Eiselberg to testify against Mr. Trump, given his decades in the employ of the Trump family and his vast knowledge of the company and its business practices. But Mr. Weisselberg has refused to meet with them, even as his lawyers negotiated a potential deal, the people with knowledge of the matter said. What they don't understand, these people on the left, they don't understand that one thing. They should be asking this, why won't Wasselberg testify against Donald Trump? It's because he's been employed there decades. He knows the Trump organization top to bottom. But what's more important, he knows Donald Trump. And he knows what the former president is. Regardless of what the left wants to paint him to be, Donald Trump is a good guy. Thank you for being here today on Tuesday. Yeah, it was a little bit of a slow news day, but you know what? We need one of those every once in a while. And so, we are going to have a big week. And no better person to take us down that road than my nephew. From The Voice, Des Duran. Have a great day. He loves your smile, by the way. I'd wait on you forever, any day And in fact, your world is my world Ain't no way you ever gonna get any less than you should Cause baby, you smile, I smile You smile, I smile Your lips, my biggest weakness I shouldn't have let you know I'm always gonna do what they say If you need me, I could run it from a thousand miles away Cause you smile, I smile, yeah You smile, I smile Baby, take this open heart and all it offers Cause this is as unconditional as it'll ever get you